Live from the summit in Tucson, Arizona, the Corps presents Sales Training Boot Camp with Ben Wilson and Bill Puma. Today's topic, Extreme Lead Conversion for Real Estate. All right, if you have enough leads, raise your hand. If you want more leads, raise your hand. All right, we got everyone in the right class. We're good. All right, well, welcome to Extreme Leads. It is a pleasure to be up here with Ben Wilson. He's been in the core for, I think, nine, ten years now. I've always looked up to him from when I first got in, and it's just a, a joy and honor. I've been on plenty of calls. He's always been in the top three, so I was on plenty of calls with him, and it's just great being up here with him. So um, I'm going to go ahead and talk about my story and where I started with leads, and then we'll have Ben go into it. So um, many of you guys know, when I first got into the core, I was super heavy on ad leads. ton coming from the Internet, and I know... A lot of people in here were in that same boat. I've been in the business for, for quite a bit of years, and I had a database. I just never worked a database. I always looked at it as that cold Internet lead is actually searching now. So I'm going to jump on that rather than taking care of my database. So really, that was my focus. I got a ton of leads in. I mean, actually, I get less leads now, but conversions up. But I was just focusing on those leads. Um, calling the crap out of them, showing them. But I was just spinning my wheels. I was working 70 hours a week. Um, my conversion was at underneath 5%. I mean, some of them were previous clients still coming back, most of it being ads. So my conversion was under 5%. So I had to generate a ton of leads. But it spent so much time spinning my wheels to the point where my voicemail would be full. I didn't have a team at that point. Voicemail's full. I'm not even calling back previous clients that want to buy and sell and they're going elsewhere, they're ready to go. I just didn't have the time because the ad leads just take so much time and work. I still work ad leads, but I've cut my budget down on my ad leads. I was spending, I don't know, I want to say probably 13000 on on the Internet before the core, and I'm probably down to about 1500 now. My conversion has went from 5% to 18%. My hours have gone from 70 to 50 because, again, you don't have to work as hard on that warm business. They know you like you, we'll use you for business, and then we'll refer you out. So that's been the biggest change for me, is really just making sure that I'm focusing in on my database, and that's converted, reduce the hours, I'm making a ton more money, and having more fun, because people that want to do business with us, and not just people that are just dragging us to property to go see property, or bringing us in to interview for a listing appointment, and interviewing five other realtors. It's just more fun, I enjoy it, so I've changed my business, and I, I love doing what I do now instead of running crazy and just having no life. So that's been a big change for me, and, and the core has really helped me do that. So, Ben. Well, you know, it's always fun whenever we teach classes on anything that's extreme. So for every one of us, we're all extreme. You wouldn't be here unless you were extreme people, right? But one of the things that we tend to fail at in our business is conversion, right? And so if we break down what the sales process looks like, for us, which we're going to do today, we're going to break it down into four forms for you. Initial contact, right? Building rapport. Closing the business. By the way, was any of you all in the closing skills class with Josh and Jay? How awesome was that class? Fantastic. I enjoyed it. And then the final piece is follow-up. And what we learn about our business is that we tend to spend the majority of our time chasing the hardest business instead of diving into the easiest business, right? And so today, myself and Phil, we're going to spend a lot of our time driving you to a mental state of mind with tactics that are going to put you in a position to work with the best leads. 
Okay? Now, what does the best leads look like? Those are the ones that are referred or people that have worked with us before. Our VIPs, our database, or people that are referred through our database and our VIPs. So a little bit about my background. I have been here for nine years. When I first started, I did about $20 million a year. I had about a 3% conversion. <laughs> I was getting a crap load of leads all the time. And I was spinning my wheels like crazy, right? And so the whole reason that I came to the core was for time management. I was like, if I could just manage my time, I can have more time with my family, and I can spend more time taking care of my clients at a higher level. And one of the things that the core did is they actually gave me an opportunity, right? And they switched my frame of mind to work from instead of working with leads and ads, um, line ads and all the hard non-relational business, they started driving me back towards the type of business that made sense. So the first exercise that I ever had was from Rita Casey. On my very first call, she says, so where's your business come from? And I was like, oh. <laughs> she goes, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to track where your business comes from. We're actually going to categorize all of your leads and all your closings. But before we get to your leads, we're going to categorize your closings. And what we found out is out of my $20 million in business, that one year, $8 million came from one source, and that was my country club. So she literally did the greatest and gave me the greatest gift ever. She says, every Wednesday, you're going to go play golf. <laughs> so I got home as fast as I could that day, and I said, Whitney, what I got to do, I have to do this. My coach said it. I'm paying her a lot of money, and I have to go play golf every Wednesday. But don't you play Saturdays and Sundays? I know, baby, but this is work. But here's what I learned there. Is that business, if I do it intentionally, was so much easier than having to just bang out the phones all day long and try to convince people to trust me and to like me. So today what we want to do is we want to break it down into those four categories, initial contact, building rapport, closing business, and then how to follow up. Most importantly, and we're going to spend the majority of the time with that warm business, those relational businesses, that VIP, right, that database, and the people that are referred directly through the database. Is that fair? Is that something that you all think that you could pick out a couple of nuggets from? And if we give you a couple of golden nuggets, at the end of the day, you're going to walk out of here and go, that was a home run. If we do that for you guys, will you be happy? Yes. Cool. Awesome. Let's dive into some of the pillars. Awesome. One thing that Ben talked about, it sounds funny, everyone laughed about it, but it's golf. I think everyone has to find something they enjoy doing where they're going to meet a lot of similar people. His <coughs> is golf. So everyone has to have something. If you don't have something like that in your life, it's going to be people with... The same morals, the same ethics, kind of like the same stuff. Those are the people that will do business with you. So if you're not in some type of organization, some type of event where you're hanging out with a lot of similar people, that's going to be someone you can build your database with. Like for me, I join a workout group. It's huge. I, get, I have fun with the guys, but business comes from that. Um, I also coach youth sports. Business comes from that too. But I'm out there being genuine because that's what I love doing. And kind of the business that comes from it is exhilarating. and it's just there. I don't like reading books. I'm not going to join a book club because they're going to know that I'm just there just to be there. So find stuff that you enjoy doing 
And that really, they'll know that it's genuine and it's there. First thing we're going to talk about is initial contact. Um, our lead tracker is huge. Before the core, I did not track my leads. When I said 5%, it was probably a guess when they asked me. I did not track every lead. All right. It was, they were on sticky notes. They were on the back of receipts in my car. Um, half time, I didn't even know where I wrote it down. Right? I'd find one a month later. Like, I can't believe I didn't call that guy. So lead tracker is huge. Every lead needs to be tracked. If you're not tracking them, you need to use your lead tracker. So for those of you all who don't know Phil's story, when Phil came into the core, he was doing about $10 million of business. He gets introduced to a couple of key forms, lead tracker being one of those. He chose to become a perfectionist and become the best at the lead tracker. And that's taken him to almost $100 million this year. Yeah, $100 million. Who yeah. wants that? Who wants that? And it's such basic things where we're getting the leads and we're not treating them like gold. Um, if we're not recording them, if we're not calling them and just calling them once, whether they're a warm lead or not, we have to make sure we record them, make sure we're following up with them. My business has totally changed where now the majority of my business is coming from the database and that's previous clients. So um, previous client referrals, them referring people in or coming back, and then current client referrals. So that's, that's my biggest source of business from my lead tracker. So the current client referrals, the biggest thing with them is if you're not taking care of them throughout the process and not just taking care of them. Rick talked earlier about added value. We have to add something besides just doing what every other realtor out there is doing. We have to give them different touch points throughout the process, which we and my team do. But also, you and your team need to know anytime they give you a compliment throughout that process, it opens up a perfect opportunity for you to ask for business. We have to ask for business. There's so many times before the core too. I never asked for referrals until after it was done. I figured I have to get them through the whole process before I earn the right to ask for business. During that process, you can always ask for business. It appraised for more than they paid for it. Perfect opportunity. You negotiate repairs lower than they thought. Perfect opportunity. Anytime that there is a point where they're like, you guys are great, ask for business. And that's making status calls. So for me, the thing I changed on my status calls, my team makes status calls on Monday. They call every client that we have listed. They call every client that is under contract. I make the calls on Tuesday. Before I had them calling on Monday, when I called on Tuesday, there were still outlying problems and I had to get involved more. Now they take care of every problem on Monday. So Tuesdays is an opportunity for me to just ask for business. They've already taken care of it. So it's easy intro when I call Hey, is Katie taking care of you? She's awesome. She just called me yesterday. She took care of the three things I needed. Perfect. That's when I can ask for business. So make sure that you and your team are making your status update calls. Here at the core, we make those on Tuesdays. The only thing I added different on my team, my team makes them on Monday. So we call twice. Not once, twice. So Phil, can I ask you something? Yes. Do you have your team, like your contract to close, or anybody that's making those Monday status update calls prior to you making yours? Do you have them ask for any type of referrals, creating current client referrals? So they do. And it might be at the status call or through the process. Um, anytime they know they get a compliment, that's usually when they're asking. So um, they might, it might be on the status calls. It might be during the week when they've taken care of something for them. So they know, and my team knows, that we are a sales organization. Even though they might not be in a sales role, um, part of what we do when we review them is, how many CCRs did you get? If they're a closing coordinator, if they're a listing coordinator, if they're my guy that goes out to take photography pictures, we track their CCRs to hold them accountable for making sure they're asking for the business. So I want to share something on that. Yeah. So three years ago, um, I was looking at my current client referrals 
Specifically, those come during the transaction. Obviously, it's a current client referral, right? And so I was looking at those, and three years ago, we had 11 referrals, current client referrals, right? And I was like, that's terrible. And I was like, what do I need to do to change it? And one of the things that I really missed the mark on is I wasn't coaching my team how to ask the clients during the transaction, how to cater to the clients at the highest level for that referral. A current client referral during the transaction, they're at their highest level of emotion and specifically positive emotion. There's a lot of fear, but if we're helping them with that fear, if we're giving them service and creating value, that is a prime time to get great, great clients. So one of the things that we did is I have something very simple. I have an envelope system. And in every one of those envelopes, I have both lottery tickets and cash, and I always have one that has about 50 bucks in it, right? And for any of your all staff, I promise you, whether you like it or not, they are going to go bonkers over trying to get that $50. And so I started that in the first year. I, I didn't personally, I didn't think that it would be that much of a success. So the first year, we got 76 current client referrals wow. just from that one. So we put up nine at the beginning of the month. We usually have to go through it now two or three times in that month. So then I go, what do we have to do to change it to the next level? And here's what my team told me, and this is going to be mind-blowing. They said, we just want you to teach us and give us more skill. Spend more time with us. Coach us. So then I implemented a half hour every other week with all of my staff specifically on how to um, ask for the business, how to ask. And it's not, hey, will you send us business? It's, are we doing a good job for you, Nick? Are we taking great care of you? Man, I'm going to tell you, my boss, your agent, whoever that is, would be blown away if you sent them a great client. Can I do that for you? Do you know of anybody right now? Nine times out of ten, they're going to say this. Man, no, I don't right now, but... And then you go, here's the deal. I'm going to call you on Thursday or Friday, if that's okay, and I'm going to go ahead and get that number. That gives you a couple of days to find that person. And that second call at the end of the week has changed everything. Right now, we're on pace to do over 100 CCR referrals. Out of that 100 awesome. CCR referrals... Thank you. Out of that 100 CCR referrals... We're going to close 37 of them right now that are just already under contract. That doesn't include anything for the last two months. That's coming from my non-licensed team. It works, guys. I tell you, write this down. Two things that he hit on that I love. Train your team on CCRs. If you're not doing that, your entire team have training sessions for CCRs. Number two, put a little reward on the table. Put something out there. If you do those two things, you'll go from... 10 to 100 for CCRs. It's ridiculous. Right? Crazy. One of the other struggles I think a lot of us have, and I, I know my students have this, when they have listings that aren't selling. They don't want to even call them, let alone ask for business. Am I right? So I set the expectation at the listing presentation. Again, I think when you're setting the expectation, I asked for business that day. I used a we need your help form, which Rick talked about at the last summit. So if you're not using it, Use it. So I talk about that and I leave it with them if they don't give me a referral. I leave that with them. If you know anyone throughout the process, I am going to ask you every week I call you, I'm going to ask you because you know what? I have 30 listings and I'm going to ask all those other listings if they know any buyers and sellers. I might find the buyer for your house 
by asking these other people. So I'm going to ask you because you might have the buyer for one of my other listings. I sell a lot of my listings that way. So every time I call you, whether your house is under contract or not, but I will call you every Tuesday, I will ask you for a referral. So I already set the expectation. So when I call, they already know what I'm going to say. So and I call them every every Tuesday, like I say, I'm going to. And then I give them an update on the market. Usually we're talking about something. It might have been a showing. It might have been some feedback. It might have been a new listing coming on. So I'm calling them. That's their biggest struggle. Most agents just don't call. If you pick up the phone and call them, they're, they're going to appreciate that. All right. And they will get I've gotten referrals for, from people whose houses that aren't selling. But we have to ask for the business. CCRs are not happening for two reasons. You're either not taking care of them or you're not asking for the business. So if you do those two things, take care of them, ask for business, they will come. So that's really increased for me, too, because, again, I wasn't asking until after. So current clients, previous clients has been huge for me. Um, and, and previous clients is just taking care of them. I, um, I know we invite our VIPs to happy hour, but I invite previous clients to happy hour. Um, mail them uh, evidence of success. Letter of the heart. Um, I invite them to, we have a ton of family events. We have pumpkin patch. We have Santa in a movie, Easter egg hunt. I think events, keeping them engaged and not just, Hey, call me when you need to buy or sell, when you got a referral. I think those added value things that again, Rick talked about things that we do that are different. Um, I have my previous, my top previous clients, um, birthday calls, call them on their birthdays, send them cookies for their birthday. So if you don't have a birthday program, I think you need to do that. Taking care of my clients. I never did that before the core. I just assumed they did business with me. They're just going to come back to me, even though I didn't take care of it. I took care of them through the buy and sell. They're just going to call me when they're ready. They won't. There's too many people out there. They're going to find another friend. There's so many of us out there that they're going to know someone that knows someone. We're going to have someone else that's sending them a farming piece. You have to keep in contact with them. You have to call your previous clients every Thursday. So Thursdays is our previous client calls, making sure you're calling them. All right. And we use Ford. Family, family, occupation, recreation, and dreams, okay? Um, Rick's going to probably talk about the program, too, and programming them for referrals. So keep in touch with them, call them, hang out with them. That's really what makes a difference and why my clients are coming back to me and why they're referring. If you're not doing that stuff, and it's going to be impossible to add all that at once, and I didn't. It was little at a time that I added all those items to take care of my clients to make sure that we're keeping in front of them. A couple other things I do. It's outside of real estate. I do a lot of videos. I use BombBomb for a lot of videos. All right. And some of my videos have nothing to do with real estate, but I'm keeping in touch with my previous clients and all of my database. I do right now. I'm doing a football pool. So every week I just send out a video. They have to pick their, you know, I think it's on ESPN, wherever it is. Pick just straight up, pick them. Winner gets a hundred bucks to their charity. Again, I'm getting involved. They love that. I'm giving money to charity, which we're giving it away anyway. So let them choose where they're going. Um, they get involved. I do the same thing for March Madness. It's just, again, being different, keeping in contact, doing fun stuff with them. I think that's really what makes a difference in keeping them engaged to make sure they come back to us, make sure they refer us out. So, And then you've got other stuff to talk to them about when you're calling them. You can talk about the events you have coming up. You can talk about um, your activities that you're doing. It just, it's huge. It gives you other opportunities to talk to them about other stuff. You know, one of the things with past clients, um, now this is a conversion class, right? So we're talking a lot about lead generation right now, but the reality is, is what's the most important step to convert them? What do you think? Closing them. So we're going to lead up to that. Right now we're building up to that. But one of the things in order for us to close them, right, we don't have to manipulate them, right? We don't have to give all of our commissions away to close a deal. But one of the things that we have to do to close at the highest level is create trust. So all these things that Phil and I are sharing with you all right now is doing one core thing. 
It's building a relationship. That's what it's doing. And in our business, if you choose to build a relationship, it's guaranteed that if you just simply ask during that process, the closing piece will be so much easier. Now, one of the things with past clients is that we believe that our past clients have to be touched ten times every month. Ten times every month. That's what our company does. Okay? And you're like, how in the world is that ever going to happen? Right? So, in most months, there's a holiday, right? So, they're going to definitely get a holiday email, right? Most months, there is an opportunity that you can share something that has been monumental in your life. We call that an evidence of success. That's two. If you're in this room, you have successes in your business, right? We also share with them something that we call an evidence of success. That's three. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to do snail mail with evidence of success, snail mail with letter of the heart, but I'm also going to do a video with the letter of the heart, and I'm also going to do a video of evidence of success. Now, does that mean that all of you in this room right now have to do every video? No. Evidence of success or testimonials at a closing for 45 seconds. What was this experience like for you? Holy cow, can you share this with us? If I take 15 to 30 seconds, will you just give me a quick snapshot of what it feels like right now? I just want you to share whatever motion you got. Are you cool with that? Cool. Boom. And you share that. That's five, right? Then we... Absolutely. Yeah. You you always have to ask permission, right? And then we're going to go through, we're going to go through and make sure that every one of these people are getting a weekly email called a Tuesday tip. All right. So we went from five to now we're at nine. How do we get to nine? One per week. Tuesday tip, Tuesday tip, Tuesday tip, Tuesday tip. Right. And then the final piece is something super random that's going on in your life, right? So how many of you all get to see the highlight reels on your Facebook, you know, treads or whatever? You see highlight reels of everybody. Share something going on with your team that's super positive. We choose to do it on the 15th of every month. That's 10 touches. Now, do you think that those people are getting more and more engaged in your life at that point? Absolutely. And whenever the time comes and they have a need or they know someone that has a need, you have simply just established a little bit more trust with that person. Now, does that seem extremely hard? Does it? No, that's not hard. It just has to be executed at a high level. Those are the type of things that we're going to continue to coach you on and teach you on. Ben, can you give an example of the Tuesday tip? And then uh, your last your last touch to Facebook, something that's going on with your team. So Facebook for us is, um, more importantly, it's something going on in our life or in our world. It might be something that um, is that we had our largest month of closings. So we had a month this year that we we had 49 closings, and we were super proud of that, right? But on the flip side, you also need to share pain because a lot of people also need to know that you screw up a little bit every now and then. 
So sometimes you got to share a little bit of pain. So I like to share successes, but I also like to share uh, the pain on the Facebook, right? And then you asked about Tuesday tips. So Tuesday tips are fantastic, right? Tuesday tips are spring cleaning ideas, right? They are simply for us in our company, we have seven pillars or seven standards or seven principles that our company lives by. Show up, be consistent, have a great attitude, right? Be committed for the long haul. Be willing to pay the price, right? Understand that you've got to find your burning desire in life and then always do the right thing. And so we'll break that out into seven different Tuesday tips where we share what those mean to us as a company. Be creative, be intentional, and be authentic. As a programmer, what Ben and I have both been talking about, all these touches, some of it has to do with real estate, some of it doesn't. I don't think we have to just be like, hey, I'm a realtor, send me business. So I think we have to have a little bit of that mix. We talked about clients and previous clients, but I think to that list, we can add our personal friends that are in our database, make sure we're adding um, our business professionals that we have in our VIP and make sure we're adding builders. So all sources that are on our lead tracker can be included because you're sending out a video, add a few more names and email addresses to that video. Same thing with events. Um, I, my events are usually bigger than most. Rick actually gets frustrated to the point when he comes to my events because I have so many people in my database and so many personal friends, whether it's a tailgate event or my happy hours, I like to have them bigger. Um, it just depends on what you're looking for. But to me, I'm like, invite more people. Even if they're not coming, that invite just shows them that you're caring and you're inviting them to come. So I think that's just huge that we're doing stuff out of real estate stuff and inside real estate with our touches, um, whether it's events and whatever it is. And it's all of our database, just not our previous clients. Um, I know you're really good and you get a ton of VIP from your business professionals. What else do you do different to those guys that, that really makes a difference? Is there anything else that you add that, to the business professionals? That Well, one of the things with our business professionals is that we actually refer them business, right? <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> that helps, right? <laughs> They're not just simply someone that we hang on or send out in a vendor list, right? We actually refer them business. And so if you want to get relationship type of business, that trusting type of business from your business partners, when you send them business, because it's a business relationship, we want it to be reciprocal, right? We want them to return the favor. So we simply ask them for it. Don't overcomplicate that. Now, with our business partners, we want that deep relationship but it's still a business relationship, unlike with our past clients, right, or our VIPs, that's going to be more of a relationship based upon friendship and trust, whereas a business partner relationship is going to be based upon reciprocation, okay? But if you take the reciprocation and add the relationship to it, the ask is so much easier. And so you ask what we do differently. We send out cheesy gifts, but I also do once an event once a quarter for all of my business partners. And then in addition to that, I invite them every month to our social event, our happy hour, every month. And when, we, when they come, I make it my point to connect them with someone every time that they're at one of my events. That connection piece continues to build deeper relationships but greater trust. We're talking about extreme lead conversion here, right? And the lead conversion, the only way that that becomes extreme is if, if there's a high level of trust with us. We're going to hit on that a lot. One thing I was going to add to that on the, on the business relationship, what I've noticed too is the more we're interested in their business and, hey, how's business going? How can I help you? 
If you're interested in them, they're going to be interested in you. Sometimes you don't even have to ask. Right. They're going to come back and say, how can I help you? And it's an easy way just to go into it. So sometimes it doesn't need to be a hard sell. Sometimes you have to have the difficult conversations. Hey, I've sent you five deals this year. I've got nothing. What's going on? So sometimes you have to have those tough conversations too. But sometimes if you're interested in their business, they're going to be interested in yours and they will reciprocate. So, so how do you handle that when you're going after, so let's say you're, you're prospecting to probate attorneys and you have five probate attorneys that you're in partnership, business partnership with. How am I going to be giving business to all, promising business to all of them? Or if I'm inviting a group of same, you know, same sort of professionals to an event, how do they feel like they're special, number one, and that they're truly my business partner? Right. So the simple answer is I'm going to send it to the one that I believe in the most that actually is going to send business to me, right? So that's who I'm going to try my best to reciprocate business back towards. The second answer or the second piece of that is the one that I actually like the most. So for me personally, my business is based around relationships, and you're going to hear me talk about that a lot because I want you all to change your mindset because most of you all in this room think that you all have relationships, but at the end of the day, you don't know their middle names. You probably can't even tell me about their wives or what their wife's favorite drink is. You don't have really deep relationships with them. You have superficial relationships. And that's not me being ugly to you all. That's just helping you all understand, right? Our minds like to tease us and lead us to believe that we have all these great relationships with all these people. And the truth of the matter is, is that you can only establish about 25 to 30 great relationships. So you have to be about very intentional about those relationships. Business partners, for us, I only have like 10 great relationships with business partners, right? And here's the other thing about business partners is that if you're not meeting them on a quarterly basis to discuss, and this is to follow up with Phil and what you shared, if you're not meeting with them on a quarterly basis to discuss what you've done for them and what they've done for you and then how you're going to continue to grow that relationship, then the truth of the matter is you're missing the mark there too, right? Quarterly meetings. So when do you plan that? At the 1st of January. You say, hey, we're going to meet this month at this day, this month at this day. You go ahead and you just plan it out all the way through. And some of those relationships, um, they're content with their business. Some of those probate attorneys just want you to help their clients. So it's not – some of those people – so you got to really find out what their objections are. And I think or, you know, really in that meeting that will happen. So I have a financial planner that – He's pretty much comfortable with his current clients, and as they're retiring out, he needs someone to help them sell their houses. He doesn't care to have any more business, and he told me that, but he sends me a lot of business. So it's, it's really just having those conversations and finding out. And sometimes, those, they're not, I mean, if you don't have enough, those, conver- those relationships might end, and you're going to keep the ones that you know, fit best with you. Like I, I do a lot of builder business, so I have a ton of builder relationships. You know, and they'll all come to my events, but, you know, and they just know that I'm there to help them get their houses sold, um, that they have a contingency on a buyer coming into their model that needs to sell a house. So I'm there just to kind of add and help them. I will bring my buyers there, too. So um, you can have them added value, but sometimes they just want that relationship and you helping them grow their business. Got a question right behind you there. Um, so I totally ripped off your Tuesday tip idea from the mega marathon last year. Mm-hmm. Like I actually do. It's called the Tuesday tip. Uh, and <laughs> Why change it? Right. So, so I heard this a long time ago. Right. If it's new, it's not true. Just be the best copier ever. Yeah, yeah. I think I've done a decent job. Um, and something, something that's been really powerful is like combining these two things and actually, um, letting my business 
partners have cameos on my Tuesday tip. So like my financial planner, I'm like, hey, dude, can you give a free piece of content to my people? So on my video, I'm like, hey, here's Chris at Pioneer Wealth Management. He's got the tip for today, and it goes to him in his backyard. Like, hey, put your savings, auto draft or whatever, your, automate your savings. If you can do it with your utilities and your mortgage, do it with your savings. That's it. And he gets business from that because I'm giving him exposure to my whole database, and he's super, super thankful for it. And now I'm doing videos for my business partners because they're doing something similar to me. They're copying what I'm doing, and it's just I love it's really that. cool. I that love is that. great. I mean, interviewing your business partners is huge. I don't do it. I need to start doing it, but there is people in the core that does that. That's another added value that you can add to your business partners. That's opening up the database. Hey, I'm going to come and interview you. Talk about you know, lawn season coming up or a financial planner talking about the market. Um, so many different opportunities there. I think that's great. Awesome. I was just going to say, so I was a business owner before I came into real estate two years ago. And a lot of those business owners, um, they're kind of on Loner Island. They don't have opportunities and conventions and things like we have here. And so what I spent my whole first 12 months uh, doing was sitting down, doing the one-to-ones, finding out what was a good referral firm, but what was a bad referral. But because I had that prior business experience, I was able to help them see many times what could be a good power partner for them and help do value add by expanding their vision. Sometimes they're so into their business, they can't see other opportunities. For example, if it was the um, auto glass guy, I said, well, you don't want to have FaceTime driving two hours to this side of town. Why don't I help introduce you to an auto glass guy on that side of town who doesn't want to come to this side of town? You guys can exchange your referrals. There's no cost involved. And now you're both super happy and you're getting more business in your in your local areas and so that was ginormous um out of my first full 12 months i sold over about 34 houses um 20 of them came from business owners from yeah, just awesome. doing that tactic the entire year i'd meet with at least three of them every single week week in, week out and that's how i did it cool that's awesome Absolutely. i think there's anything else we can add a couple other things in it made me think of other things that we do too like the stuff we did this morning our business planning our wheel of life I've done the Wheel of Life with my builders. Um, I've done the Wheel of Life with my Rotary Club. So anything you can help business owners with, help them with their um, P&L. There's so much stuff here at the core that we can help besides just you know, referring them business. You can help them grow their business. We have so many different resources here, which I think are just huge. So just use those. We can do leverage events. You can do one-on-ones and meet with them and go over all that stuff that Rick went over this morning. I think that stuff is huge because there's so many people out there that don't have that. And business owners need it. And a lot of business owners, the other thing they need, sometimes they want another business owner just to talk to and just talk of vent and what they have going on that's, that's an issue and problem in their business. So sometimes they just want someone else that's on the same wave, wavelength as them, which is huge. Well, I want to go ahead and give you all the secret right now. Y'all ready? Here is, this is the secret. Create value in their life. Mm-hmm. You create value in every one of these pillars' lives. It is only the next step for them to want to create value and honor you in your life. That's the secret. That's the secret. That's in everything. We know we've been talking about it pretty much the last couple of days here. Um, I know we talked about VIPs on Monday, um, and we did talk about status updates on Tuesday. Anything else you want to add on that before we go? You talk about some uh, so leads one, on Wednesdays. Yeah, the one thing that I want to share with you all specifically about my business, and Phil, I'd like for you to share how it affects your business. The VIP pyramid. You have that in your books. 
look at it. But the VIP pyramid is the golden ticket. The VIP pyramid for us, we break it into four categories. So as a company, as a core, as an organization, we believe in something that we call our top 50, which is our 50 best VIPs, right? And so I was thinking about this as I was engaging what my coach asked me to do. And I said, okay, how do we put that onto a pyramid and make it and create it into layers? So here's what we chose to do as a company is the very top portion of that VIP pyramid, there's 10 spots. So we started calling those 10 spots our intimate 10. So here with VIPs, we have 10 individuals that we desire and we believe can generate and send us 10 closings a year per person. So we're in extremely deep relationship with those people. These are the people that we're going on vacation with. These are the people that we're playing ball with. These are the people that we're going to the movies and going to concerts that we're living life with. These are the people that you're inviting over to your house to play games with, right? And along the way, that deepening of, a rela- the, of that intimate relationship has taken place. So those people, we're very intentional that they're in our life. So who are these, these people? In my world, these people are my buyer's agents. These people are my staff. These are the people that I'm already doing business with. Sometimes we miss the mark, kind of like what I shared with you before about CCRs. We miss the mark that our VIPs are literally right there in front of our face. There are RP1s and RP2s and executive assistants. And if we don't engage with them at the highest level and be extremely intentional about what you do with them, you're going to miss and let it fly right by you. Because for me, I'll just tell you, and I know Phil believes the same way, I want to do the least amount of work with the most efficient and effective and extreme results. That's what I want to do. Why? Because if I choose to do that in a 40 or 50 hour week, and I'm very intentional about that, I get to go to my kids' ball games. When my wife has a doctor's appointment, I don't have to miss those, right? If my brother-in-law gets married and it's out of the country, I can take some time and go there. Because everything's intentional. And I know on January 1st that I've got 10 people that are already going to commit to doing everything in their power to send me 10 deals. That's 100 transactions. And then the next layer, if you, when you look in the books, is your top 25. And the top 25 is all of those same people, those same type of people, but they just don't have the ability to influence as much as those top 10 people. That's the only difference. You're still living life with them. So these are people you go to church with. These are people at your country club. These are people at your book club. Whatever organizations you're involved with. Right? And then every great team, every great championship team has one key denominator. Their bench is deep. And so I have a section that I call my next 25. Because guess what? People move. People fall out of relationship. And so my next 25 are people that I'm molding to eventually become my top 25. And then the final, the fourth category are all my investors and my business partners. Now that category, that category is strictly business with a relationship component. So that's 85 individuals. And if you break down the numbers that I have in the book that we sh- in, in your book, if you break those numbers down, the closings that you're going to get, 100 from your top 10, right? 50 from your top 25. So now we're up to 150. I want one per person on my next 25. 
All right, so now I'm at 175, and then for my business partners, investors, I want 10 a year. That's 185 transactions a year from 85 people. Who would want that as a database, as a setup? See how easy it is to close 185 transactions? <laughs> I don't have mine broken down into a pyramid, but all of ours from our lead trackers will we'll categorize them. Again, we have them in order of who's referred us the most down to the least. But I'm just, again, track that. Um, I know... Um, even though I had my leads tracked and we sent out referral gifts, I think, you know, throughout the processors and in, in throughout the years to acknowledge those people that send you multiple people, like obviously they did on the stage. I think it's important to make sure that we know who those people are. Sometimes I think we're going to take them for granted. I think we take them for granted. That they've sent you 10. You might have forgot that they sent you 10. It sounds crazy, but you get so busy and wrapped up that you're going to forget that. So I know we got some questions back there. Jeremy? How do you handle a relationship where it's an influential person, but they don't necessarily send you direct business? So, for instance, I do a lot of builder business, and so I have high-level executives that I work with. They don't necessarily direct me the business. I have a relationship with them. However, you know, having that relationship is important to the people who are sending me business. How do you guys – how would you classify that type of person? So that, I have a lot of builder business, so what I do is – for every specific builder, my leads are categorized, and I'm, obviously the managers are the ones that have gotten me in there. I've done leverage events for them, so I'll have them up top, and then I'll have all the reps and how many leads they sent, how many closed, and then I'll say, that builder sent me this much, whatever it is, 15 deals this year. I know that that builder is really that, that manager, that area manager. So I take care of them, whether it's sending them gifts, inviting the happy hour, tickets to games, just really taking care of them. Because I think, just like any company, typically the sales reps are going to come and go, it's really that, obviously, manager. So it's really make, you, making sure that I think you treat them even better because they're the reason and source for all that. So sometimes I've gone from the bottom up, and I know I have the relationships with the reps, and then I meet the manager. So it all depends on, on your relationship with them, too, which is huge. But, yeah, make sure we're taking care of them, Jeremy. My question is on gifts. Um, you know, you said you do the cheesy gifts and referral gifts. Are you stockpiling those in the office, um, or are you getting them as you want to start sending them out? So if you call the concierge, there's literally a group or there's a list of over 50 ideas of just cheesy gifts, anywhere from under $5 to under $25. For us, we do a milk route every Friday. That's a part of our milk route. And we drop off, whether they're there or not, we'll drop off those cheesy gifts at their desk. Or if they're there, we'll sit down we'll spend some time with them. Um, and all that is is to initiate what? A conversation, right? And the conversation is to do what? Take us to what? the second step, which is build rapport. Everything's driving back to that. See, when you look at those four steps that I shared with you, initial contact, build rapport, closing the business, and then follow-up, the most important step of the sales process, in my opinion, is to initiate contact first, right? But then you go in, and if you do not establish the rapport, closing the business is so much more difficult, right? My goal for our company is I want to take us for right now. You're at 18-something um, on your closing percentage yes, this year. Correct. Um, after you shared that with me, I looked at my numbers. We're at like 19.3, and I was like, that's terrible. <laughs> like, I'm just terrible at this, and we've got to figure out a change because we do a lot of good business. But the problem is is that we still spend a lot of time on ad business and Internet business. What if we took that time and put it into that VIP pyramid just a little bit higher, at a higher level, at a higher level of frequency? 
And so for us on the cheesy gifts, that's just an opportunity to get in the door to establish rapport and build a conversation around. I think we do the same thing on Fridays. That's when I kind of make my milk routes and um, visit my business people, visit my builders. So it's a great opportunity. If you're bringing something, it's a great opportunity to meet new business people. But uh, stop in and say hello to them again, create a conversation. I know you kind of talked, we talked a little bit about cold leads. You know, the, um, we'll talk about calling them a little bit too, because I know that's, to me, I think that's still a little icing on the cake. It can't be the priority. My, my business, you know, went to where I think we were probably 50% or 60% cold to now where it might be 10%. I still think you need that. There's open houses, there's sign calls, other ways to get some of that cold business, but we need to call them on Wednesday. The biggest difference between, um, I think cold leads and warm leads, if you turn to page 58 in your book, I think these statistics are just so eye-opening, and I think they're even more prevalent on cold leads. The one that just really stands up is the last one that says 80% of sales are made on the 5th and 12th contact, which I think is huge. If you look at that sheet, we just have to make sure that we're following up and it talks about fortune being in the follow-up. On cold leads, that's more prevalent. I think some of our previous clients, some of our warm business, I think you still have to call them multiple times. They're probably going to call back because obviously you have that triangle for trust. You mentioned the name that referred them. It's easy for that to come back in there. But I think these cold leads, we have to make sure that we're calling them, calling them consistent. I know a lot of times our team is doing it, and we had to make sure we're holding them accountable for making those phone calls because I know I track my buyer's agents. They usually stop at, and what is the one where they stop at three? Ten percent of sales don't make more than three contacts. That's most of my team. If I don't hold them accountable, I know you, your teams are probably the same way. They're stopping at three. Because what happens is they get to three, and then they get someone who picks up the phone that wants to go look at property, and they run and show property and don't keep following up with those. So I think follow-up on cold leads on Wednesdays is huge. Got a question back there? This is just kind of going back to the cheesy gifts and the follow-up, and I think a lot of us give up too soon when we're trying to put people on the bench into that category of the VIPs. And even though I know on page 58 where it says 80% of the sales happen after 75 contacts, it seems like it feels like it anyway. Uh, I had this one probate attorney who I was after for a year. My team got the list from the concierge. So they're on autopilot mailing out those cheesy gifts to the list. And there was this one guy on the list. Called him, called him, called him. One time I'm finally like, when are we going to do business together? And he's like, next time, next time you call, I, I got you. Next time I call, he's like, finally all your efforts are paying off. And he gave me a deal and we did a great job. And in the last three months, he sent us four or five deals that are all like shoe-in. They're super easy. We're, he's our contact. We're not even having to deal with a client at all. And he's like, send the paperwork over, send the paperwork. So That's awesome. the follow-up is huge. And then the, the team doing the mailings, because I would have flaked out and not done it. Yeah, one of the things I want to hit on there, and I shared the secret with you, which is creating value. So the cheesy gifts, the phone calls, the emails, right, the constant touches, those are to initiate a conversation with those people, Right. So that way, at that point, during that rapport building process, you have an opportunity now, listen, an opportunity to create value in their life. If you're waiting for them to give you the lay down deal, then you're missing the mark. 
The only way those lay-down deals are ever going to happen is if you're choosing to create value in their life. So you have to dig in while you're in conversation, and you have to desire. So dig in and desire to want to benefit that person in some form or fashion. And sometimes that deal comes right away, and sometimes it takes two or three years. I have one of my buyer's agents. He'll do over $25 million this year. And I don't share that to impress you, but to impress upon you that he's a high producer. But one of the things I will also impress upon you about him is he worked with a client who was a CEO of a healthcare company that he built great rapport with for two and a half years before she referred her first transaction to him. She was coming to social events. He was trying to create value. He sent two employees to go work at her business, right? He did and was creating value. Two and a half years later, she now has referred, and by the end of this year, closed business, she will have referred over $4 million to him this year in referred business. But two and a half years before it happened. So when you look at those statistics, guys, those are real. But what we like to believe is that we're rock stars and we're unbelievable and we're like the best ever and everyone should use us. And if they don't <laughs> use us because we called them twice and because we're really nice and we give them high fives every time we see them, we're missing the mark, right? We're just missing the mark. Be willing to put the effort in. Guys, going into next year, Rick shared with us in general session it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it, right? And what's it going to be worth it, and why is it going to be worth it? Because the effort that we have to put in, we've got to put extra effort in. And for me, and for Phil, and for every one of you all in this room, I can guarantee you all, you don't want your effort to come back void, right? You don't want all that energy to come back void. So why would you give up after three or four connections? Just keep pushing, especially if you like that person and you feel that there's a great opportunity in the future. Follow-up is, is key for this reason. Um, I talked about builders. Dayton pushed me to reach out to builders in my area, and I kept telling them, even though I was doing it, I was listening to my coach. I'm like, it doesn't work, doesn't work, doesn't work. I kept doing it. It took me nine months to finally get a deal, but now it's 15% of my business. And you're not huge. But again, at $100 million, it's $15 million. That's still a nice chunk of business. And it's continued to grow every year. And I know it's going to continue to grow. But it was because of the follow-up. Because of the follow-up. And I consistently did it. And it's not like I stopped. I continued to do it. So follow-up is huge. Follow-up is huge. All right, we're going to go to some table work. I know we talked about a, a bunch of random different lead sources. I want you guys to go around the table. Shortest hair first, talking about your best lead source right now. Best lead source. So. got a good one we're gonna come around with the mic good lead source what's a good lead source over here yeah so a, a large percentage of my business comes from Facebook um, I'd say probably 62% is in some way connected to Facebook but what's I don't it? buy it what do you do on Facebook well I've, I've before I was a realtor I built a couple of different communities um, for law enforcement officers when I was a cop so I, I have roughly 3 million followers on Facebook and <laughs> yeah, so that's that's where a lot of it comes from. All right, any other any other good sources? Uh, 
been selling for 16 years, and I thought I was too good for it. And then I heard John By last summit say he still does open houses, so I started, and it's paying off gangbusters. Awesome. I mean, I know Rick talked about it too. If you are not busy, open houses will bring in business. It doesn't cost you anything. You already have the listings. Do open houses. Follow up. We're going to talk about follow up next. But make sure you're out there just doing open houses. If you're not busy, the people will walk in. Everybody thinks I'm crazy when I tell them this, but I sat down after my first semester with the core, Kendra, and I looked at all my numbers and said, where does your business come? And I was looking at my lead tracker and looked at my whole year backwards, and I thought it was coming from my Silicon Valley connections and the Google people who I had in my book of business, and it wasn't true. More than half of my business comes from referrals from other agents. So I started spending time being nice to other agents. (laughs) <laughs> and it made more than half my year last year. Is it agents from other areas, outside of your area? Is that what it was? It, has, it has been. It's a combination. Um, I started, I'm in the suburbs, so I started going to the office meeting. There's 100 agents right there every Tuesday morning who are in the city who don't want to come across the bridge. They have different paperwork. We're in a unique scenario. And San Francisco has its own paperwork. They don't use the state paperwork. So... They don't want to learn our paperwork, and if they write a San Francisco contract on our side of the bridge, they're going to get laughed out of town. So they know, and so, I'll t- yeah, I'll take your clients, and I'll take care of them, and I'll drive them around the suburbs. And then I have referrals from the East Bay, one of whom I met through the core, and that's been a great mutual relationship. And then I have agents from other brokerages who are retiring who represented buyers for my listings and thought I did such a great job taking care of their client when they were buying in an unfamiliar area, that then they've re- she's referred me six different buyers and two sellers. Cool. How about commercial agents? That's another good source, too. I do not have a lot of c- contact with commercial agents at all. We have one commercial guy in our whole brokerage for three counties, and he actually, yeah, he referred me somebody who needs a contractor. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Any, anything else? Got one back there? The commercial agents, the office leasing guys are absolutely money because they're bringing in the companies and relocations. So it's an opportunity to get in and work that HR as well. Cool. It's super important for you all to understand that it doesn't matter what your favorite source is. It just matters that you have a favorite source. Okay? So whatever your favorite source is, whatever you enjoy the most right? Whatever you feel most connected to or engaged the most with, pursue that and build around that instead of trying to force feed something that either you don't know enough about or you don't enjoy. Like if I didn't enjoy, I do enjoy working with my fellow realtors, right? But if you don't enjoy working with your fellow realtors for whatever reason, don't pursue those people, right? If you don't enjoy, like I don't know enough about commercial to get engaged, on the commercial side of things. So I'm not going to really dive in to that world. But what I've learned is I love referring all of the commercial business that I get out to other commercial agents. And as a byproduct of that, they end up sending business our way. So find a source and multiple sources in your world that you can dump in through closing business with them into your database and let them become your VIPs and then just love the heck out of them. Um, we're going to follow. Uh, we're going to work on follow up next for those leads when they come in and how we follow up. Um, you know, there's sometimes we go right to the appointment, whether it's a you know listing presentation or buyer consultation. Just make sure you're prepared. We're not going to talk about closing skills 
for uh, closing those? Uh, I know what you I will suggest. I will say this because today we do want to hit on follow up and, and with the time and everything and all the awesome questions that you've given us. We want to make sure and finish off this really strong for you. But the class that I came from with Josh and Jay on closing skills, go and get the CD, talk to your concierge, make a connection at the core and have them send that class to you all because it's off the charts. Fantastic. Yeah. So for me, follow up, you know, I'm pretty much going in on a listing and doing the assumption close. I'm signing up the majority of them. Um, Prior to doing the appropriate follow-up, that would just sit on my desk and I would wait for them to call. Because, um, again, you just get busy. You're going on to the next listing. You're, you know, running the team. But now we obviously have a system and process. When I come back with that follow-up, I didn't sign it up. It goes to one of my uh, inside sales guys, and they're doing the follow-up. So that's not just sitting there. So just make sure you're doing the follow-up. I think a lot of times we're sitting and waiting. Um, you know, I'm always asking, hey, you know, when should we call you back at that listing appointment and we're doing the follow-up? It's me and or my team dependent. There's some that are going to sit on my desk, but very few will sit on my desk for follow-up. I'll pass those along for my team to help me with follow-up to make sure that we get that closed. You know, and when the next step is I will not go back out to the house. They'll either come into the office or we use DocuSign to sign them up. We're making sure we're doing that follow-up um, to make sure that we're getting those listings closed. And, we're, and, you know, our closing, usually if I didn't get it signed, nine times out of ten we weren't getting it done. But we're closing a lot more of those because of the follow-up after the appointment. So, One of, one of the things that, um, that you always need to make sure that you understand is the touch piece. We've hit on it a few times today and the importance, and you all hear 80%, and you're like, oh, that's a cool another number that we've been shared with at the core. But that's a real number, guys. 80% of the business that's closed had to be touched seven-plus times, right? So I'm getting out here. It's Tuesday, and I'm getting ready, and I'm getting my mind right, and I'm getting my body right, and I'm getting, st- I mean, just stoked for this event, right? And one of my people, they call me up, and they say, man, there's a client that said that they bought and sold and then bought and sold again that knows you really well, but they came in on a Zillow lead, right? She goes, and she lives, she, I think she said that uh, her son went to DCA and she lives over in Hermitage on this one street on John Hager. I said, it's Amanda Ford. I said, holy cow, why is she calling in on Zillow? Well, these people are out there. They're not educated, right? And so they're hitting on Zillow. Christy calls her. And says, hey, I work with Team Wilson. She goes, oh, my gosh, I love you guys. I get your stuff all the time. But the truth of the matter is, is that even as much as we touch our clients, you still have to make the calls. You still have to be engaged. I haven't talked to her in like three years. That's on me. That's a big, almost epic fail. Because now she's moving up again. Last time she moved from a hundred eighty thousand house to a three hundred thousand dollar house. Now she's moving from a three hundred seventy thousand dollar house to a half a million dollar house. That would have been eight hundred seventy thousand dollars that we would have missed. Because mark my words, she was calling on Zillow, right? And the first person to talk to her is going to win, mm-hmm. right? So follow up. Don't make that mistake where I didn't make those calls, right? Somewhere I missed. That call to that person, because had we called her, there would have been more impact, more relationship opportunities. So even though we touch our clients and we do touch them those ten times, we still have to be one step ahead. We have to continue to create value. We have to continue to stay engaged. Yeah, I mean, from a buyer's perspective, I think, you know, us 
and then also especially our buyer's agent. Since the Internet has come out, we've gotten lazy with helping our buyers. Okay, I think our buyer's agents and even us, our expectation is just call me when you find a house. Before the Internet, we had to go find them properties. Okay, there were, I mean, there's a point where I remember we couldn't even email listings out and put them on a drip. We had to physically look and go find them properties. I think buyer's agents today have gotten lazy with that follow-up. So what we do, we use Boomtown. So every lead we get, cold or warm, for their search, it goes into Boomtown. We also set them up on our MLS. So we're sending them listings from both sources, so hopefully they don't veer, okay? Because I think if you don't set them up, they're gonna go to Zillow to go search, all right? And then you might lose one, like what Ben was just talking about. They might get a call from another agent, they might show them the house, and they might list their house for a discount, and then you lost them, even though you had the relationship because someone else jumped on it. So anytime you get those buyer leads, drip to them as much as you can and we're calling. So for us, from a Boomtown's perspective, we can see which properties they're searching, which ones they've saved, which one they've emailed to their friends or family, how many times they've viewed it. So we just phone call. They don't know we can do that. So usually we'll just call up and say, hey, I saw this really nice property for you. I think we should go take a look. Oh, my God, I'm looking at it on the Internet right now. We can see that they're doing that. But I think, <laughs> but it just, it's one of those things that we add or we'll email the property. If we don't get them, hey, I just emailed your property. I think it'd be great for you. So I think if we just need to be out there and be active. We get a new listing. I think a lot of us, again, just get accustomed to be lazy and not think of, hey, which one of my buyers would this fit perfectly for? We need to, we need to think about that. We need to be proactive and reach out to them. Um, I know I talked about it in my last class. We almost lost somebody going to buy new construction. I think we need to educate our buyers on new construction. I think we need to take them into the new construction model, show that that's an option so they don't just veer, even though we have the relationship, and go buy a new home without us. Because I know many of us, it's probably happened to many of us. How many out there has it happened? They just went and bought a new home and didn't use you, didn't realize that you could do that or whatever, whatever reason they didn't call you. So I think we need to make sure we're following up. If we have someone looking, let them know all of their options. Let them know there's new construction. Make sure you're following up and trying to find them properties, whether you're emailing them to them or looking up. Just if you call them and just offer them a property, they're just going to feel obligated and they're going, to, they're going to use you. But you just have to add some value. You can't just, I told my buyer's agent, we can't just be there and be order takers and just say, call me when you find something. I'll open the door, I'll write the contract, and I'll get paid a whole bunch of money. How's that sound? I said, we cannot be like that. I told my buyer's agents, we can't be there. We have to add that extra value, try and find them properties, and follow up with them. Every week when we call on Wednesdays, offer them some properties. Follow up with them. Okay, and even if they say they're not ready, just make sure you, you postpone when that follow-up is and keep talking to them so they don't veer off and use another agent. So something that we just started doing, and I thought of it when you, you were talking about, you know, finding a property for a buyer, is we're using our buyers as a lever to get listings. And our inventory is really thin, and I know a lot of people have that same problem. So anytime somebody's gone out to look at property with us at least once, and they haven't put a contract on a property, um, they go onto a list and we do a letter of the week to uh, certain uh, areas or condo complexes or neighborhoods or whatever saying, you know, we have a buyer that's ready to buy right now and we, we, we you know, give a little bit of information about who this buyer is so that they sound a little bit more real and make a point about telling the uh, potential seller that, you know, that this is not a general solicitation for a listing. We have a buyer that we can bring to you today. I think and, it's great. Uh, I mean, I you think... know, so far it's been working out pretty well for us. Are you yeah. getting any listings from it, even though you're saying it's not listings? Oh, heck yeah. Awesome. Good work. We've done that before too. 
one of the things that I've learned over time is I will sign up an, a listing and they'll say they want to buy a property, but I won't have them sign the exclusive right to buy. So when I'm at my listing appointment, I've gotten to the point to where I have them do both. And that way they realize I'm not just going to be listing their home, I'm also going to be helping them buy a home. And I also hand them a bunch of cards and say, when you go to those builders, please let them know that I am representing you. I think that's key. I've been doing the same thing. I'll sign both. Um, and then from a buyer, if I have just a buyer, I talked about it in last class, I'm bringing them in. We're sitting down and meeting and going over a buyer presentation. I have a PowerPoint presentation just like I do on my listing, just to, again, get them commitment so they don't veer off. I think once you find out a buyer, you know, whether it's a previous client, they, they're looking to buy, I invite them back in and we go over it. You know, if someone's ready to list a house, we're going to go there and do a presentation. Why don't we do the same thing with a buyer and then just sit and wait? I think we need to meet with them, get face-to-face, -face, and, and get them locked up with us sooner than later. Yes. Hey, Phil, I was intrigued by your uh, comment that you set all your buyer leads on a MLS search. Um, no, this is prior to having any contact with them, correct? Well, no, not prior to. If we have a conversation okay. with them and, and talk about, you know, or if I see them looking, if I see them looking, then we'll send them some other property. Say, hey, notice you're looking. Send you some other. If we notice them coming back to our site looking, but no, if we get their criteria, I want them getting it from every source we can. For some odd reason, I don't know why it happens. Sometimes our website or MLS, if maybe the agent missed putting a high school in there or something, it might be missed by one of them. So I'm trying to get them in many ways that I can email them to make sure they're not missing out on any listings. Because it's worse when, you know, they're like, hey, I know you got me on a search, but this other agent just sent me this property. Or, hey, I just saw this property that Zillow emailed me. So I think we have to have them, you know, on, and some, I'd rather have them on a broad search. And I might tell them, I'd rather have you broad because some agents, unfortunately, don't fill everything out, might be incorrect, and get every property to you. So that, and I don't just randomly send them to them. I, if they're, if they're start getting ready to look, then we'll put them on drips. So I'm going to give you all five keys to extreme extreme lead conversion right now. We've talked a lot about initiating the lead. We've talked about rapport. We've talked about follow-up. But these five keys right here are going to be the gold that you need to take and become specialist in these five areas. Number one, a VIP pyramid. Less is more. You all have 500, 1,000, 2,500, 3,000 people in your database. There's no way that you can cater to those people and be in relationship with those people. Why not just focus on, you know, your top 50, your top 100? For me, it's 85. I have 85 people that I'm engaged with, and then I duplicate that by having my buyer's agents start creating and getting to that 85. Now, here's the reality. You're going to start off with 10, then the 15, and you're going to build on that. So it doesn't just happen that you're going to have 85. But a VIP pyramid, number one. Number two, you have to have clear, consistent scripts for both yourself and your team on how you're communicating with each pillar of business. You have to consistently communicate the same thing over and over and over again. And so for us, once again, we in every meeting now, it is required that we role play, which is the third piece that we role play. And from each role play, we are now creating new and better scripts because we're recording the role play and then we're refining our scripts all the time to make sure it's consistent across our company. So it doesn't matter whether you're a team of two or whether you're a team of 20. It doesn't matter. 
But you've got to start with the scripts and then do the role play because why? You have to refine your skills. Like if you do not refine your skills, it is impossible for you to cut through that piece of meat all the time. You've got to sharpen that knife. I want to cut through that, I mean, that meat, not because it's been, uh, what's that called, souvet? Because it's been souveted, right? Because it's just like butter. I want to cut through the toughest meat like it's nothing because my knife is so sharp. I want it to be easy. Number four, and this is the one that we all get caught up on because everybody's overwhelmed. Everybody's busy. Everybody works too much. Everybody spends too many hours in their business, right? Treat every client like gold. So what's that mean? That means that you ask them a question and you actually let them answer. (laughs) That means that you engage the Ford method that he shared with him, talking about their family and their occupation and their recreation and their dreams to find out how you can do what? The fifth piece, and that's the secret, create value. And once you create value, then you're going to be given a gift of doing business with these people. And you're going to have an opportunity for you and your team to cater to them. Focus on refining those five skills on your team and understanding and being the best in those five areas. Guaranteed your lead conversion. I hope that I come back here next year and I'm going to challenge Phil. We're both because we're about the same that we're going to double our conversion next year. That's one of the goals I'm working on. I mean, when Rick, at, Rick always asks us who we're working on, lead conversion is mine. Increasing so if you that. doubled your conversion with the same amount of leads that you have right now, oh, you're going to do Perfect. $200 million? I don't know. Then we can compete with Dayton, right? <laughs> right that's it. Then that's we get it. to compete with the big boy. So but cool. it just shows if you just increase your lead conversion, but you don't have to even change the amount of leads. If you change the leads and the conversion, it's crazy. But if you just tweak it a little bit, just a little bit, converting those leads, they're all, if they're already there, just convert them a little bit more. Your business will explode. We're going to wrap up with some more questions here. So number one on your five keys to extreme lead conversion, you mentioned your VIP pyramid. And you said you had personally about 85. Yes. Are those the ones that you touch 10 times a month? They are. 85. 85. Okay. My intimate 10, top 25, next 25, and then 25 business partners and investors. Okay. That's the, that's the 85 individuals. And do you also incorporate them with like the little birthday things and all of that love throughout the year? I do. So okay. top 10, top 25, anniversary, children's birthdays, individual birthdays with gifts. Um, so I'm pretty sure this question is related. It has to do with appointments. So um, my buyer's appointment is like, dialed in my seller's appointment is dialed listing appointment is dialed in where i'm struggling is the people who want to sell and buy like how do you operate do you split those appointments up like my appointments are lasting three hours and i feel like i've stripped throat at the end and it's a beat down so how do y'all navigate that yeah so i usually do um i go right to the listing listing to me is important i'd rather see their house because i don't want to go and have anyone showing them house, whether it's, you know, one of my buyer's agents, showing assistant. I would rather not get out there and show what they're selling might not be a possibility. Does it need to be contingent? Does it need to be contingent? So I'll go to the listing, but I will I'll, every one of my listing packages always has a buyer's agency agreement in it. So we'll do both of them. We'll cover everything there, um, and we'll really find out, can they buy without selling, or do they have to sell and then buy? 
So really, I go to the house and I want to find out that information. Because sometimes, you know, what they owe on the house or the condition of the house, they got to get the house ready. Um, let's get that all done ahead of time. I want them to have the house ready so that either way we can get that timing as close as possible as right. But it really, I'd rather go to the house first and get everything signed up right then and there. So. I do, correct. I have, I have all the paperwork for both, and I have the, both presentations. We cover both. So, Just quickly, you mentioned um, then a pipeline meeting and a team meeting. Are those two separate meetings? Two or? separate meetings. Okay. So our team meetings are done daily with staff, and then once a month with all my staff and all my agents, once a month. The pipeline meetings are done every Monday. We come back in. So there's three pieces of each one of those meetings. The first piece is relational. I'm going to find out what's going on in their world. Okay. And this is how I run all of my meetings. The second piece is motivational. I'm going to give them things to get them juiced up and excited about what's going on, whether it's market conditions, whether it's circumstances, whether it's just like some power of the mind mindset. I'm going to give them something to get them excited. And then the third piece is the informational piece that I'm going to run in that meeting. And that's where we gather all the data. And that's how I know how to coach them. Question back there. So I used to be a Subway franchisee, and I had to figure out a way how to get more people. I couldn't get more people in the store. I built the sales so high. I couldn't get more people in the store, so I thought outside of the box, how am I going to get more business? I built a huge catering business by calling local businesses and asking who is the decision maker. I drop off samples of a dozen cookies here and there, leave my business card. Next thing you know, I build up a huge clientele from like catering. And I still had that lead generation system and I apply those people and I put them in my CR, current CRM and it's, and it's how food, like you said, food is, is, is no one's going to deny it. No one's food is the it. gateway to the heart. <laughs> All right, so we need you to go to page 304. If we have helped you with some tactics that's going to help you generate more leads and or convert at a higher conversion, I know I've, I've taken away a ton of stuff that you have there. I know my, my conversion is going to increase. So if we've done that to help you, we would love a five on that page. Guys, thank you all <laughs> thank so you very much. much. I appreciate, appreciate you guys you. coming. Listening to the Core's Sales Training Bootcamp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670 or find us on the web at www.thecoretraining.com.